We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Good evening. Oh, wait a minute. I did that wrong. Good evening. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, old habits seem to be fading. Maybe some Bidenitis creeping in. I am 63 now, you know. But welcome back. It's 5.06. I'm Randy Corcoran with a live edition of the show, Wake the Heck Up with Randy Corcoran. And it's so good to have you here. I know it's been on again, off again. Uh, last week I was at CPAC, live the week before, the week before that. Um, heck, I don't even remember what part of the country I was in at this very moment. But I will try and make it up with, to you because uh, a bonus edition tomorrow when I get the Honor and the pleasure of guest hosting once again Backbone Radio from 4 to 7 p.m. So anything we don't get to tonight, we will certainly pick it up on Sunday. What a day. I mean, it's uh, uh, it's been a long one, I can tell you that. Thursday night uh, was an extremely late night for me. Friday, long, long day into a late, late night. And then up at 5 o'clock this morning again because I had to drive all the way out to Loveland, Colorado for the Colorado State Assembly. And um, they started credentialing people at 7 o'clock. The meeting kicked off right around 9. I rolled in fashionably semi-early for me around 8.33, but I did have to get there in time because I was scheduled to give some remarks I, right out of the gate. Thank you very much, former chairperson Christy Burton-Brown. Um, but it was, it was a fascinating day and I will give you the rundown. I've got some sound from the, we do have uh, new officers in the state party and I'll tell you who they are here in just a minute. In fact, we'll be joined by the newly elected vice chair of the Colorado state GOP in the six o'clock hour, right around six o'clock. And then the newly elected state chair of the Colorado I can't say it. The No, I have not been drinking. The Colorado State GOP, newly elected chair at 7 p.m. right here on 710 KNUS. So you'll get to hear from the new team firsthand and first right here on Denver's Live and Local 710 KNUS. I, um, you know, it's about an hour and 20-minute drive. It was longer coming back. I, I was playing around with Luis Gonzalez and asking him if he'd do the first hour of the show. Since I was running late, he did not seem too pleased about that idea, but uh, uh, I made it and just got in here. I've got notes spread out everywhere. I've got the vote counts. There were multiple vote counts for uh, the state chair race, and um, and it was just really fascinating. I've also got the announcement live from the floor of the state GOP, which announced the final winner, and uh, we'll see if we can play that right off of my phone here before the end of this segment. Just to lay out the show for you a little bit more, around 525, we'll be joined by Tamara Farah, Power to the Parents. Um, she and her cohort, Lori Gimmelstein, Gimmel, Gimmelstein, I had to work this out on the Stefan Tubbs show Thursday when I had Tamara and Lori both on the show. But it's just so very important. I, I think Debs maybe had them on. I know Jimmy has had them on. And he's emceeing this event tomorrow. 
But it is, um, I just wanted to give them one more chance in case you missed the information or, uh, you know, you haven't heard them when they've been on the station because this Power to the Parents event tomorrow afternoon is very, very important. It's right here in Inglewood, Colorado. So Tamara will join us around 525. The rest of the time, it's you and me. Got some audio from CPAC. I have really played a lot of Donald Trump's speech on the Stephen Tub Show, and I don't plan to do that again today. Most likely, instead, I, unless I run out of steam or voice or something. But there are a couple of clips that I'm going to want to share with you. I also got uh, my second opportunity to spend some time with Donald Trump and actually talk to him, this time one-on-one. I uh, got to take a picture, which I didn't get to the last time. The first time I met him last at the end of October out there at Mar-a-Lago. And um, so I'll share a little bit of that with you as well and some pretty cool things that happened at CPAC, assuming we've got time. But interesting coming into the show because I think Peter Boyles is the last live show on uh, on Saturdays. Well, Mike Boyles is live, but, um, but I, I don't often see text messages, so I don't know if he uses that system or not. But uh, this was sitting on the screen when I came in. Peter. The Republican Party is dying because they keep pushing the good old boys, which includes Dick Wadhams. And I've just got to say, I I think that um, a message has been sent with regard to the so-called good old boys. But and when I share with you the results of the election and and some of my thoughts about that, you'll probably agree. If not, please, especially 303-696-1971. But it is not a time to gloat. It is not a time to pile on it's it's really time to move past the the you know the the name calling that goes on the rhino establishment now those terms they come out of my mouth very very easily and they have specific meanings for me but we're done with the primaries of last year we're done with the horrible results of the colorado election last year and now we are done with the leadership fight so there's no more sort of dividing line, right? We've got the Republican Party. We've got this mess of a Democrat Party just jamming nonsense and danger and tragedy down our throats, increasing crime, increasing trash, increasing costs, on and on and on. And I believe we really have an opportunity to educate people. And so Rather than continue to, you know, draw the dividing lines, now that we're past, there's, there are no future elections as far as leadership goes, as far as major primaries for statewide candidates. We've got school boards, we've got mayor races and some city councils, I think, and different things like that coming up this year. And there's our side, which includes all Republicans, and there's the other side. This week, I even had really what I would say in the two and a half years I've been National Committee man, the first outreach from sort of the other side of the Republican Party. And it was very positive. And the idea is to start getting everybody in the room, cut out the nonsense now, and start figuring out how we move forward. And I, for one, am all for that. So I'll just give you a flavor of the event. And uh, in case you weren't there, there were only, there were about 400 people there to vote uh, bonus members and party officers are who decide the chair, vice chair, and uh, secretary positions of the state party. And that's really all we were there to do. took a long time, long time. In fact, I was driving back to 710 
when the results that I expected were um, were texted to me, and uh, and I knew finally that the voting was actually done. But it's it was fascinating to be there, and there were I don't know maybe. 150, I don't know, I can't guess very well, but there were a bunch of visitors, people who sat in a back section and uh, were encouraged to please not vote when we were doing voice votes. Um, And that all seemed to go very, very well. You could certainly feel the tension and the energy and the dividing lines um, as the process went on. Remember, we had seven candidates for chair when we started. And so there was a potential of seven ballots having to happen because you get two ballots before anybody is forced to drop off. It's only after the second ballot that the bottom person has to drop. And uh, so it could, I mean, they could still be voting, but it didn't work out that way. And I don't know if this is interesting to you or not, but I thought I would share with you my remarks this morning. They're very short. Um, Just the way I felt was appropriate to start the event. And, um, you know, I don't take speeches up to a podium. I, I, I will write down some bullet points if, I, if there's a bunch or I can't remember them. Um, so this won't be exactly what I said this morning, but, uh, but it'll give you kind of a flavor. And we'd had the Pledge of Allegiance. We had had the prayer, great prayer. I don't know who the person was who gave it. Uh, great prayer. And then uh, former chair, now Christy Burton Brown, opened up the meeting. And my colleague on the RNC, Colorado National Committee woman, Vera Ortegon, gave the first set of remarks, and then I was invited up. And this is basically what I said. Good morning. How many of you are ready to get to work? And people clapped a little bit. When I asked Christy for this moment, she said I had to keep it under 20 minutes. And people laughed. I said, I promise, 18 minutes tops. And then I said the reason, and this is true, the reason I asked for this quick slot was, well, there were a couple of reasons. First, I wanted to thank Christy and Priscilla and Marilyn and their teams for their hard work. And, uh, and I, we did not have to agree on everything in order for me to see and understand their relentless nonstop efforts in the face of big challenges. Can we thank them? And everybody gave a very polite round of applause. And there are people in that room that were not fans of Christy Burton Brown. Became evident a couple times throughout the day. But really, people worked their tails off. And Christy, you know, is a paid position, full-time job for her, but everybody else too. The unpaid staff, just the volunteers, just worked so hard. And regardless of the things, I'm just talking extemporaneously right now, but the, you know, the things we disagreed on didn't take away from me from the fact that everybody was trying to promote Republican values and turn out the vote for Republican candidates. I went on second, how many of you are voting members on this central committee officers, bonus members who are voting for the very first time. And I could not believe the number of hands that went up. I mean, it was a mass of brand new people. And I, cl- I clapped for them. I said, you're the kind of people who see a need and don't look around to see who's going to fix it. You look in the mirror and you jump in. So I also wanted to thank you. And I look forward to working with each and every one of you. I brought business cards and I'll pa- pass them out to anybody who, who wants them. And man, a lot of people asked when I came down off that stage. So that really made me feel good. And then I got into the meat of my brief remarks. I've been your national committee man for two and a half years. For those of you who, like me, two and a half years ago, don't really know what that means, 
I, Committeewoman Vera Ortegon, and whomever we elect today to be our next chair are your voting voices on the Republican National Committee. So we need to hear from you. I supported change on the RNC when I voted for Harmeet Dillon to be the new chair. We lost that vote, but almost a third, over 31%, voted for change. That's not a majority, but it's a powerful and growing voting block with results, which I'll be happy to share with anyone who asks. And I was so grateful people were listening because... A bunch of people asked me when I came down uh, during the course of the many hours that we were there. What are you talking about? What What's different with a, a third of the committee now being very conservative, very America first? And, and oh, maybe we'll get into that sometime, but not right now. So I wrapped up this way, and I said, I'll wrap up with this. We're electing a new team today. I intend to work hard with whoever wins. Because of my role, I feel obligated to keep my preferences to myself. I hope that we elect a team that supports my three doable priorities in this state. Fill, and I, and I finger one, fill every vacant, here's what I said, find uh, America first patriots to fill every vacant precinct seat. And the place just went crazy, just really blew up. I was really, I don't know, just moved to see that that is the passion that is on this committee right now. Second, support and promote a ballot initiative requiring photo voter ID this year in Colorado. No more utility bill shenanigans for an ID, you know. And I said that um, that it's doable. I have people telling me this is a bipartisan issue around the country, except for the, you know, the radical left-wing ballot stealers. So it seems very worthwhile to go after these three things I'm talking about this year. Fill our precinct seats. That should be like job number one. Promote a ballot initiative requiring photo voter ID. And then finally, number three, close the primary to registered Republicans only. Only registered Republicans vote in our primaries. And I let everybody know I was one of the two lawyers that argued that last year. And that the judge shut us down only, and this is straight out of the judge's order, only because we did not have the Republican Party as a party to our lawsuit. And uh, this federal district court judge, I told the group, was 82-year-old Jimmy Carter appointee, and he, he mocked us. He called, uh, he referred to us as Don Quixote's riding in to say, you know, to the rescue, to save the day. And uh, and I said, you know, let's ride in and save the day again. Now, people booed when I said that the party would not join our lawsuit. And I and I made a point to put my hand up and say, no, there were legitimate concerns and reasons for why the party did not want to join. And, uh, you know, I didn't agree with all of them, but they were absolutely legitimate. It was not my decision to make. And I wanted people to know that. And to his credit, the current GOP lawyer, um, Chris Murray, uh, when he gave his legal report, explained that a little bit more to everybody, which, uh, based on comments I got later, was very, very helpful, because people have been angry at the party for having not gotten involved in our lawsuit. I am quite sure, based on the results of this election, that um, 
that the party will be joining this lawsuit and we'll be fine. I don't know if I'll be doing it, but someone will be doing a lawsuit again this year. We got one ready to go. And uh, so anyway, I thanked everybody and, you know, God bless and protect um, and save America. God bless and protect our troops and God bless and guide all of us who are, uh, you know, had to make decisions today and then are heading out into the the spiritual and the um, the cultural and the political war that's being waged against us. And I was just so gratified that I know it was early, but people were loud and appreciative. And uh, I walked off that stage feeling like we've, we're going to have an awful lot of energy from all of those new people that are in there. And now based on the results of this election, I think that's uh, that's going to grow as well. Um, I'm really anxious to get into the results, how the votes went out, who won, for those of you who don't know, and also want to play the uh, the audio from the actual announcement of the new chair of the Colorado State GOP. But I've talked us up to the break, and I want to sidetrack for just a few minutes with Tamara Farah when we come back, because I just believe this power, in fact, I would probably go to this Power to the Parents presentation tomorrow. Um, but for the fact that I'm guest hosting on Backbone Radio, and that starts at 4 o'clock, so just wouldn't have time to do it all. But really, really terrific stuff. If you don't know about it, we won't keep her long. We just want to get that information into your hands. Get a pen ready, get a piece of paper ready, and uh, we will jump all over that when we return here on 710 KNUS. Man, it was tempting to ride the Harley up to Loveland this morning. Stuck my face out just a little chilly for this old frame. Plus, I knew I'd be tired coming back, and I had all my bag and all my junk with me. So, But spring is coming. Is, is this the weekend when we uh, go back to daylight saving? It is. So don't forget, when you go to bed tonight, set that clock back. We get our – no, we spring forward. We get to lose our hour of sleep. Oh, good Lord. We get to lose our hour of sleep. Always hate this part. But um, but I love it when we get it back in the fall. Anyway, it's 528, and it's uh, 49 degrees in Aurora, 53 degrees over there in Hell, otherwise known as Denver, where it's always hotter. And we'll get back to um, wrapping up my conversation about the Colorado State GOP Assembly today, where we elected new leadership. We'll have the newly elected vice chair with us at 6 o'clock, the newly elected chair with us at 7 o'clock. And uh, But I want to share with you kind of the process and some of the excitement that went on. It was very, very interesting. But I did want to um, revisit this topic once more. We had these wonderful ladies on with us um, on when I filled in for Stefan Tubbs last Thursday. They've been all over 710 KNUS, uh, including on Jimmy Sangenberger's show, because Jimmy will be emceeing this event tomorrow. Saw Jimmy at the State Assembly. He Came in for about the last half or last hour and a half before I had to leave. Um, but if you're unaware, there is an event tomorrow that you should not miss. So let's bring on Tamara Farah and let me try again, Lori, Lori Gimmelstein. Hopefully you I got, got it. I got one of those right. Tamara, I you know, with your husband, Barry, I've had him on many times. Is it yes. Farah or Farah? It is Farah. Okay, so I can get, I, you know what pops into my mind? Que Sarah Sarah. You know how you use those mnemonics to try and remember things? Yes, so I'll works. try and get that the heck out of my mind. Tamara Farah, okay. 
Lori Gimmelstein, welcome back. Let's uh, let's start with you, Lori, because um, boy, you seem to be a steamroller behind this. So, um, real quick, introduce yourself to this audience and let us know what's going on tomorrow at two thirty in Inglewood. Um, Thank you, Randy. Yes, yeah, so I'm Lori Gimmelstein. I serve as the executive director to both the Cherry Creek and Colorado Parent Advocacy Networks. I'm also a mom to two wonderful teens and a wife and a speech-language pathologist. I'm a small business owner, Um, and I um, have had uh, just an explosion over the last two years about the controversial educational path that has been laid out before my children and um, all of the children in the state of Colorado and our nation and Um, I had blind trust in our school system, and I've, over the last two years, just immersed myself in school policy and district practices, curriculum, uh, instructional methodologies, and um, I have uh, been very fortunate to be blessed to have the mentorship of leaders at the local, state, and national level, like Tamara with FreedomWorks Parents Know Best, and our um, partners over at Parents Defending Education, the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, uh, locally here with the Independence Institute and Pam Benigno, um, Bill Cadman, Deborah Flora, uh, just a, a, such a, a wealth of uh, wisdom in our state and nationally. And it was so incredible that everybody is coming together um, in support of restoring the parents' voice in education. All right, let me and, let me pause sure. you there. Let me pause you there, Lori. Yeah. We'll we'll get to the event where it is, how people can get tickets to it, and all of that. Before I uh, bring Tamara on to talk a little bit about her background and how she got involved in all this, from our Thursday interview, I remember you had a pretty profound event that sort of got you looking at all this. Can you share that with us real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So um, back in when my daughter was in sixth grade, um, so this is the 2020-2021 school year, uh, they were going back in cohorts in these small groups. So they're small group masked. um, And she came home one day after school and we're sitting down for dinner. And she just shares with us very casually, um, oh, my friend Stella is is now going to be River and River's going to go by he, his, him and, and use the boys room. And you know, I'm thinking to myself, I didn't get an email about this from the school that we we're in Cherry Creek schools, and she was at Infinity Middle School, and um, kind of looking at my husband, and we're giving each other the eye, and I just reply, oh, well, uh, that's very, you know, progressive of River's parents to ask the school to do a workshop, and Jenny just said, oh, no, mommy, River goes home every day as a girl. His parents have no idea. Sixth and that, grade. that was the day. Sixth she grade. She was 11. Yeah. She was 11 years old. And, um, and it was just so casual, the conversation. And, and you know, doing research and, and recognizing, understanding that the incidence of transgenderism, gender dysphoria is so small. Um, and for it to be just such a casual conversation um, for an 11-year-old was a little bit alarming, obviously, for me. Um, and then not even two weeks later, our son, who at the time was in eighth grade, had an assignment, why is your favorite hobby racist? Good God. Um, and, and had to create a nonprofit organization um, to uh, remove racism from his favorite hobby was skiing. Um, well, you know, I, snow, it, you probably didn't know this, Lori, but snow is white after all. 
So that's, <laughs> that's where that's, whiteness comes from. So I just get more angry every time. This is the second time I've heard these stories now. I just get more and more angry. Tamara, you're with Freedom Works now. You you have been a tremendous activist. You and your husband are involved in so many different things. How did you get involved with this event? And then tell us what's going on tomorrow. Yes, I'll just start with that so people know where to go to find out how to get there. It's parentsknowbest.com. Just click on uh, events and you'll get all the information that you need. It's at St. Thomas More Church tomorrow at 2.30 p.m., we welcome you. You're welcome to come in at the door as well. If you didn't get a chance to register, uh, we're expecting roughly 50 to 100 people. I know that's a big range, but closer to 100, I believe. And, you know, one of the first things I want to say is just in response to Lori's story, kudos to you, Lori, for being a great mom, that, you're, that your child had, felt comfortable to come home and tell you that story, wanted you to hear about it. They probably wanted to process it and didn't know how to process it. And this is something that's so important for parents is to really encourage that conversation. You know, our kids are 34 and 30, and I know that it can be hard at different stages and ages for kids to want to talk to their parents about what's happening at school. Um, But just building and fostering that relationship is so critical, especially if you feel like you have to keep your kids in public school. You, You feel your family doesn't have an option. Um, That relationship is so critical. And for them to be influenced by you, those are just a few of the things we'll talk about tomorrow. We will be empowering parents um, to know their rights according to federal law, state law, and and court precedent. We will have experts in this field addressing key issues related to parental rights. Um, We will have a a mom, a millennial mom, giving her story of how she's fighting back against woke cultural issues coming into her charter school. And we will have, uh, we're so thrilled, we're going to be having the executive director of Parents Defending Education. Um, She and I will both talk somewhat about parental rights from different angles, but she will then also talk about what's your recourse as a parent. Because when you might say, well, what do you mean my recourse? You're probably going to hit a brick wall when you try to exercise a lot of the rights that are explicitly stated in federal law, but we still want you to do it because unless we have tens of thousands of parents across this country graciously and kindly and respectfully but assertively going to their schools and saying, you know, I, I have the right to request to inspect my child's curriculum, and that means everything that they are learning. That's just one example. I'll give you that to you as a teaser. And if they rebuff you, and there's 10 other parents that do the same thing, which is what I recommend, 10, 20, 30 at the same school, because this is where you build momentum. And again, you're being kind. Um, but, uh, you know, this is the activist in me, Randy. You mentioned that, is that we have to push back. We have to stand up for our rights as parents. And, you know, one more comment I want to make on woke cultural issues, and I may have mentioned this yesterday. This is not about judging children according to race, color, or creed. This is not about us deciding what other kids should do or not do or be or not be. That The issue here is it's a family conversation, not something that belongs in the classroom. These kids, I guarantee you, do not know anything about various gender identities until they hit that classroom, and the power of suggestion begins to introduce the concept to them. Rarely will they have heard of it otherwise unless they're on social media when they're, you know, five and six years old. Maybe they are. 
But my point here is the schools are largely largely seeding the children with these concepts. Meanwhile, 77% of kids that graduated last year, according to the nation's report card, cannot read or write. So we really are distracting kids with these cultural conversations that belong at home, around the dinner table, not in the classroom, in front of the blackboard. Ladies, I'm going to what we're advocating. I'm going to give you both an open invitation to my tea party meeting on Tuesday night. If uh, anyone would like to come and make a, you know, a 15 or 20 minute presentation, uh, get people to sign up. There's a wonderful equipment there if you need it, uh, big screen and sound system, etc. We're sold out right now, um, but I've just opened up 20 more tickets. Um, so it should be a, a great turnout Tuesday night at 630. Tamara, you can just get back to me privately about that. We need to end it here, but I would like for Lori to uh, one more time give the link and the location and the time of the event tomorrow. Absolutely. So t- you just simply go to parentsknowbest.com and click on events, and you'll be able to see the link for Colorado Power to the Parents, and you'll be able to Uh, Go ahead and register uh, to get tickets right at Eventbrite. Um, Just click on the blue register button. And we'll see you tomorrow, 2.30 to 4.30. Doors open at 2 o'clock. Just a reminder, uh, we are springing ahead tomorrow, so keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And we look forward to seeing everybody. It's going to be an incredible event, and FreedomWorks Parents Know Best will uh, be providing every person in attendance with a parent's rights handbook. So everybody will leave with that in hand. And it's going to be an excellent opportunity. And we also encourage everybody in the state of Colorado, please go to coloradoparents.org and click on Get Involved um, to join us. And we will get you involved, and we need everyone's support across the state. Ladies, it's just terrific. And even if you can't have somebody uh, stop by the Tea Party meeting, if you can even deliver to my law firm or to the Tea Party some of those Freedom uh, Works handbooks for parental rights, they will go into hands that will make good use of them in their own families, I'm sure. So thank you very much for everything you're doing. Thanks for coming back on the air with us. Good luck with your presentation tomorrow. And I know we're going to be hearing a lot more from uh, from both of your organizations. God bless. Thank you, Randy. God bless you. Thanks, Randy. All right. Uh, Tamara Farah and Lori Gimmelstein, and that's just terrific. I would love to go to this tomorrow. And I would if I wasn't going to be guest hosting uh, Backbone Radio from 4 to 7. So we were talking about the Colorado State Assembly, and and before I went into kind of the way the opening remarks went, um, I read this text message that was left over from the Peter Boyle show this morning talking about the Republican Party is dying and took a shot at Dick Wadhams. And, and I just talked about, uh, you know, I, I think in Colorado now there's a chance for a coming together we shall see. Uh, but one person who's not going to tiptoe around is this guy. We had a Republican Party that was ruled by freaks, neocons, globalists, open border zealots, and fools. But we are never going back to the party of Paul Ryan, Carl Rove, and Jeb Bush. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting presidential primary. All right, uh, definitely before this show is over tonight, anything we don't get done, we will uh, we'll carry over to Backbone Radio tomorrow. Um, I want to play for you Jane Fonda calling for the murder of pro-life 
think politicians, and I'm sure she'll say, you know, I didn't really mean it, but imagine if some conservative man or – do you remember what they did to Sarah po- uh, Sarah Palin when she was running for – I don't remember. I think it was vice president at the time, and she uh, had a campaign flyer that talked about targeting certain areas to get votes. And so it had a gun sight over the targets where they were looking to, uh, you know, show up and make a difference or whatever, and just got ripped at the dangerousness of that uh, that particular campaign ad. And that was years ago, before the left got on steroids and took such total control temporarily of the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine and the social media as well. Imagine if somebody on the right, my God, they still lie about Donald Trump and his comments about Charlottesville. Uh, when he, you know, there, there are nice people on both sides. He, he had he completely disposed of the idea as part of that same uh, set of statements that he had, he was any fan of radical, you know, white supremacists or, uh, you know, dangerous right wingers and that sort of thing. So they just continue to lie. If you haven't heard Jane Fonda, you're going to get a real kick out of that. And just so much more I want to cover with you. But we got to wrap up the conversation about the state GOP assembly. We'll talk to the newly elected vice chair at seven and or yeah it's no it's six and the newly elected chair at seven uh and other than that it's just you and me i know we had some calls trying to come in when we had the guests on love to have your calls tonight as well 303-696-1971 696-1971 a lot of text messages already including a whole lot of love for my beautiful wife tana uh, thank you very much for that, everybody. Your prayers mean the world to both of us. All right, it's 543. I'm Randy Corcoran. You're listening to 710 KNUS. Back at 548. The Wake Up with Randy Corcoran, 710 KNUS. Good to have you here. Our phone number, 303-696-1971-696-1971. And just um, reflecting back on CPAC, about this time, 748 Eastern Time, I was stage right to the president in the VIP section um, where and this is after having spent, I don't know, uh, probably an hour, you know, waiting to get in to see him, spending a few minutes taking the picture. Um, and then there was an, a VIP reception. By the way, Trump had been there for a couple hours meeting with people, I'm sure. Campaign. I don't know what all he does, but uh, uh, then the time he spent with those of us who he did these quick one-on-ones and pictures with, then they walked him over to a VIP reception that um, that I got to go to, where just off the cuff, no notes or anything, he gave about a 20, 25-minute speech, high energy, and uh, and then they, and this is, I didn't realize we were going to get these VIP seats for being at this VIP reception, but they escorted us out and sat us down right there, stage right. And he went from those long meetings and the picture taking and the handshaking to the VIP where he just rolled and, and rocked and rolled to almost a two-hour speech at CPAC and never skipped a beat, never really seemed to take a breath and surely never, ever slowed down. And this was probably my favorite comment from Donald Trump during that entire speech at CPAC. And if you put me back in the White House, their reign is over. Their reign will be over. 
And they know it. And America will be a free nation once again. We're not a free nation right now. We don't have free press. We don't have free anything. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Not going to let this happen. Yeah, that that was uh, that was very interesting because um, I, I didn't walk away from that thinking this is about that's going to be we're going to it's going to be revenge. Uh, I think he means it's time for justice, justice for the J Sixers. I've got an amazing couple of minute clip that we'll play later in the show from Jacob Chasney, the QAnon shaman who was interviewed on 60 Minutes from federal prison. And when you hear this guy, uh, hopefully we'll get to talk a little bit about some of the audio that was re- or the video that was released by Tucker Carlson that just demonstrates just that one night's worth of a few minutes of video out of 40,000 hours demonstrates what a sham the January 6th committee is and that anybody with a microphone that uses the term insurrection or a camera or in their blogs or in their writing, that they're they're hypocrites, they're liars, or they're willfully ignorant because the evidence is absolutely out there. All right, top of the hour, we're going to speak to the newly elected vice chair of the Colorado State GOP. So let me just run down what happened now. Everybody... Uh, The chair's candidates were the first to go. They all got to speak for five minutes, and they were all respectfully treated. Some really jazzed up the place. And uh, but at the end of the day, in order to keep things moving and because there were meetings that were supposed to happen uh, regarding um, congressional districts and uh, and other uh, county districts and that sort of thing. They, um, while the ballots went out after the chair speeches, then they brought on the vice chair's candidates and then the secretary candidates. So they tried to keep things moving that way. And um, very interesting results after the first uh, ballot for chair. The lowest vote getter, let's see, was... Uh, Aaron Woods, he's the young guy, new guy, not well known. He he did a great job. He was up there with his family, gave a good speech. He sounds like an excellent communicator and marketer, just not really known, not experienced in the party. I just don't think anybody knew exactly or, you know, you you got to build up some cred, I think, uh, or at least some contacts within the party in order to be. Um, but this guy's got talent. And uh, and boy, I hope he sticks around and and tries again or runs for something or does something really terrific. Um, But he got 11 votes. The next lowest vote getter was Casper Stockham, 24 and a half votes. That was six and a half percent. Aaron was two point nine. And that was kind of disappointing to me because uh, Casper had been working at this the longest. He had the first written plan that was out there and. uh um, but it was a pretty resounding resistance, 6.5% for Casper. The next lowest vote-getter was Kevin Lundberg. Wouldn't this really surprise me? Kevin Lundberg at uh, 36 and a half votes. And you can do half votes because in some counties there's uh, there are two vice chairs or two. Uh, they split the officer duties so they each get a half a vote instead of a full vote. 
So 36.5 for Kevin Lundberg. That was just under 10% of the vote. Next, there was a tie. And the tie is kind of interesting because the tie was between Kevin McCarney, who was the former chairman of Mesa County Republicans, and Tina Peters, who was the former, former clerk and recorder of Mesa County. And, of course, you know that uh, the Dominion and voting machines and the criminal charges that she's facing, a conviction last week on a misdemeanor obstruction charge, and uh, and Kevin McCarney, who went completely, really turned on Tina and was the last man in the race just a few days ago. But uh, both of them managed to get 39.5 votes each, 10.5%. And then we got to the ultimate finalists, which first was Eric Odland. He ran for Congress in CD7 and um, military guy, business guy, big, tall, um, good looking, great sounding, got 107 votes, 28.4%. And uh, you need 50% plus one. And then Dave Williams, who... Uh, the former state representative from El Paso County was the lead vote getter with 117 and a half votes, 31.3%. So nobody won. So we knew we were going to have to do that again. Nobody has to drop off. Everybody can stay on for two full votes. Uh, and then the bottom, uh, the bottom vote getter gets automatically dropped off for any subsequent votes. So that's how you can wind up with seven votes. Uh, seven actual voting opportunities when you've got seven candidates in the race. So um, we got to re-vote then on, um, uh, on the chair race. And uh, during that time, the results came back for the vice chair, where uh, uh, Todd Watkins, who ran for sheriff, I think again down from El Paso County, got... 133.5 votes, 35.6%, which left the field open for Priscilla Ron to be reelected as your state vice chair, 241 votes, 64.4%. Priscilla will join us here at the top of the hour. There were four people running for secretary, and they split the vote, uh, 19%, 45%. Anna, Anna Ferguson, who was the ultimate winner, in the second round of voting, Lori Kuch, I forget her name, last name, 20.7%. Uh, much, much closer in the final. Anna and Lori faced off in a final vote, with Anna emerging, I think, with just around 51%, beating out Lori at, uh, at 49%. So then we got to the chair second vote, and... Um, uh, again, the the numbers were were not particularly great. Aaron Woods dropped out, so he got zero percent. Casper got only five votes, one point three percent. Kevin McCarney got twelve and a half votes, only three point three percent. Tina Peters got uh, twenty seven votes. I'm sorry, Kevin Lundberg was next with seventeen votes, four point five percent. And then Tina Peters, 27 votes, 7.2%. So it became very, very clear. Uh, Eric Odlin built his vote count 147.5, now 39.4%. And Dave Williams built his vote count to 165, now 44.1%.
So at the end of all of that, that is when it really, really got crazy because people were talking to each other and begging each other. You know, if you get out, throw your support behind me. We're going to elect. Uh, there's an establishment side, which everybody, I think, thought that Eric was for and a conservative side. Derek uh, for Dave Williams. And so everybody's saying, you know, if you don't drop out, then you're going to elect the other side. Fascinating stuff. So I will tell you what happened after the release of those second round of chair votes when we return. And we'll also be joined by newly elected vice chair, the Colorado reelected vice chair, the Colorado State Republican Party. Really one of the good gals. Priscilla Ron will join us right out of the top of the hour. Stay with us. Hour two, Wake Up with Randy Corcoran here on 710 KNUS.